Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. Boy, I learned about the gift of complementarity. Have you heard that before? If you're a JP2 Catholic and beyond, you've probably heard about relationships and married life connected to complementarity. I'm going to begin with complementarity that was revealed to me over the weekend, connect that to Advent, and then continue to talk about a way to pray the rosary well, to up our game, but in an Advent way as well. Back in a minute. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Well, good morning, and let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord our God, I love you. I thank you for the gift of Advent. Lord, I ask for the blessings of entering into this season. Jesus, give us the grace and mercy to enter into this season well as we watch for your coming. Lord our God, give us the grace to watch for your coming. Help us to truly live this season with this spirit of Advent. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Tomorrow on Sound Insight, not today, tomorrow, I'm going to dig into, let's call it the theology and and its associated spirituality, the theology and spirituality of Advent in the Catholic tradition. So we're going to dig into that, but as we get launched, I just want to give you a quote from yesterday's Office of Readings. Yesterday's Office of Readings, uh, there was a beautiful pastoral letter by St. Charles Borromeo, and this is what he says. He says, the church asks us, he's talking about, um, he's talking about Advent, the church asks us to understand that Christ, who came once in the flesh, right, as a little baby 2,000 years ago, is prepared to come again. He's going to come at the end of time, right? However, when we remove all obstacles to his presence, he will come at any hour and moment to dwell spiritually in our hearts bringing with him the riches of his grace. Isn't that powerful? Just read that quote again, because it's not only about Advent, but it's about your life today. I want you to make this personal. Embrace this. Make it your own. And and say, can you imagine that this this is the reality of your today? The church asks us to understand that Christ, who came once in the flesh, is prepared to come again. When we remove all obstacles to his presence, he will come at any hour and moment 
to dwell spiritually in our hearts, bringing with him the riches of his grace. I read that quote. I actually shared it on our family group chat or group text. Group text, not chat. (laughs) Group text. Because for me, it really captures the essence of of what we do to correspond, to complement. Remember complementarity? We are called to complement what it is that Christ is doing. You're going to learn tomorrow as, as we dig into it. Advent means coming to. We think about Advent as going towards Christmas, the season that leads towards Christmas. We're going towards Christmas. But Advent, Adventus, means the dawning or the the arrival or the coming to of the Lord God, of Jesus as Lord and God, coming to us. And so what St. Charles Borromeo was saying is that, hey, guess what? Every day can be for you an Advent. It can be a moment of breaking in, breaking into your day, breaking open your day, the revelation, the manifestation, the coming close to you with his presence and with the riches of his grace. I love that. I love that. Can we cause that to happen? No. We cannot cause God to freely come, freely, at his own initiative, by a pure gift, or as a pure mercy, meaning we don't even deserve it. We deserve the opposite, but he still comes. That we can't cause God to come to us. But what can we do? Remove the obstacles. Remove the obstacles. That's the language. We cannot cause, but we can help create the conditions. We can help prepare ourselves and ready ourselves for his coming. And and here's a little bit of an insight for the recognition of his coming, for the recognition of his arrival, and for the readiness to respond when he does arrive. Okay, are you tracking with me? Advent is not about us causing the Lord to come to us, but Advent is going to be about doing those things that will remove blockages, doing those things that will uproot obstacles, doing those things that will get stuff out of the way that make it difficult for us to welcome his coming. Remember that scripture when I reflected on Thursday about, no, Friday? Friday. Uh, praying the rosary, up, uh, you know, elevating our praying of the rosary as a family. That it was about what? It was about uh, the, I, I got to the, uh, the fifth joyful mystery. I got through the joyful mysteries. No, no, I got through the three, the, the three of the joyful mysteries. Uh, the third one was the the birth of Jesus. And remember, I, I talk, I talk you know, now and again about that poor innkeeper who had crowded out Jesus, Mary, and Joseph from the inn. And we don't want to crowd out the living God. Not many of you who are listening to Catholic Radio are tempted to drive God out of your life. Get out! I reject you. I renounce you. Get away from me. That's not, that's not us. That's not how we live. Our, our, our biggest temptation is not renouncing and, and rebelling against God in a mortally sinful way. Our 
much greater concern that we need to pay much closer attention to is crowding him out like the innkeeper. And so Advent is about cleaning our stuff out so that we don't crowd him out. And now if I said to you, do you have any temptations in your life that might be crowding out times of prayer? Ouch. That might be crowding out an openness to be moved by God's Holy Spirit in your day. Oh, now I'm getting too long. <laughs> crowding out evangelizing. What is even evangelizing? Well, it's the recognition that the Lord actually has people that he will put in your path, places where he will lead you, where he is asking something of you, namely to be salt, light, and leaven, to be his hands and feet, to bring his, to be his face and voice, right? That's, that's exciting. It's, it can be a little bit overwhelming, but it's the truth that this is what the Lord has for you and for me, and it's something to, to be aware of. It's something for us to uh, not doubt, not to fall short in our own belief that this is what the Lord has for our lives. So, um, during the course of Advent, I'm going to be sharing things with you spirit that will help you spiritually and practically, some principles and insights, uh, and, and some own, you know, let's call it catechetical, spiritual catechesis to help you Live your life in a way that will remove obstacles to prepare the way for the coming of Christ the King into your today, into your life, into your home, into your marriage, into your relationships, into your finances, into your use of your time. All of these things. All of these things. So, um, when I think about that, and I brought up that term complementarity, I had a poignant experience of complementarity in my own married life on Sunday. So on Sunday, Carrie had gone out with one of our daughters who had a the second day of her volleyball tournament, and then Carrie had gone to, to church uh, and to run some errands. And then later in the day, we were going to Mass. And so there were a bunch of hours where I was with my, two of my kids at home. And what was revealed was the absence, not just the absence of Carrie's presence, but the absence of the, let's call it the engine that Carrie is around our home. And it, it became apparent to me, you know, as, as here we are, this is not a typical Sunday at all. We're typically up. We go to Mass in the morning, and then there are things that we're doing. We're having a family meeting. We're uh, getting um, the other kids on a Zoom meeting. We are going to go someplace. We're welcoming some people over, or we're going to, you know, go do some activity, get some, or, or get some stuff done, you know, this sort of thing. And Carrie was up and gone early, and, and we had kind of this clear path of a day in front of us with an unknown ending time. The reason was, was that our daughter's volleyball tournament was going to last as long as the team kept winning. <laughs> so I was hoping that they would be done quickly, early, and then 
I would have my wife and daughter back home and we'd have the majority of the day together. It didn't happen that way. It, we ended up that we didn't get home until, I don't know, it was like after 3, 3.30. Uh, she ended up making it to the finals and they ended up winning and all that. Super exciting. But um, it chewed up a good chunk of our day. And I was experiencing this sense of the loss of the engine, the loss of the planner, the initiative taker in our home life. In my own life, easy peasy, I'm, I, I'm, it's so easy for me to be active about stuff that I need to get done. But as a family, there was a bit more of a looking around at each other like, uh, Dad, we're bored. What are we doing? And it was, it was so interesting for me to say, oh, wow. There are different gifts that a husband and a wife bring into a marriage. And one of the important things that uh, we do uh, as a couple, one of the things that you ought to be doing as couples is discerning, okay, where, where are your gifts? What are you good at? And what are my gifts? Because oftentimes there'll be uh, these these areas where there's a, like, oh, we're running in the same lane, we're running in the same speed, we're, we're going about it the same way, right? Very positive, very much all aligned. But then there are other parts of our lives where we can be, uh, I was going to say the phrase diametrically opposed. It's not really diametrically opposed, but it's, there is that tension that exists because of the natural inclination exists at like an opposite pole to each other. And it's not that they're necessarily diametrically opposed, it's just that they don't easily live well together. If you emphasize one, the other one feels uncomfortable and vice versa. And being aware of that in your married life, in in relationships, it's super helpful. I've seen examples of where couples found it so refreshing to have someone in their lives um, who was different than they were, you know, who wasn't just the same. And it was uh, exciting and it was new only to discover after they got married that, boy, this is kind of hard to live with. I didn't expect this. I was thinking that there'd be someone who was more like me. <laughs> I'm not saying carrying me so much. I'm just saying that um, I have, I've had more than one conversation in the past 35 years in ministry with a guy who was like, yeah, boy, I didn't realize just how different I am than my wife and that that which attracted me when we were dating is something that is a bit of a cross for me right now. So I want to apply this to Advent. I want to apply this to the reality that in Advent, we are going to be facing situations that are complementary that there's this going to be this complementarity. They're going to they feel like extremes. They're going to feel like they're, they're poles and in, in, in moving us in two different directions. And, and so we have this idea of feasting and looking forward to the coming of Christ, but we're going to be fasting in order to prepare the, the, the way for the coming of Christ. We're going to have this sense of, of joy because of the, the reality of Christ's coming, but we're going to be in hope and waiting and expectation because he has not yet come. 
We're going to be looking for the light, but we're going to be experiencing a time that's dark and getting darker. So you're going to have this complementarity. We're going to have a call to remove the blockages, but then we're going to have the experience of the coming of Christ in, in the enjoyment of his presence. Whew. This season can stretch us quite a bit. And I want to walk with you through that. I want to walk with you through that to be able to say that where the Lord is going to call us into prayer, he might call us into places that are dark and getting darker because he wants to bring light. And in order for us to experience some of this, I'm going to go back to the rosary. I'm going to pick up where we left off on Friday. I'm going to pick up on the fourth joyful mystery and elevate that idea of how do we pray the rosary in a way that helps us go deeper, but now to be able to go deeper into the graces of Advent. Back in a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com. drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you. I hope and pray that you have a beautiful and fruitful Advent. And in order to do that well, we are to take up this posture of waiting with expectant faith for the coming of Christ's presence into our lives. If we follow the guidance of St. Charles Borromeo, this doctor of the church, he talks about this season as a time of removing blockages so that Christ's presence will come and the presence of the King will come at any moment, at any hour. Where we can and really ought to experience the gift of Christ's breaking in is through prayer. And one of the most beautiful prayers that is connected to expectant waiting for the coming of Christ is the rosary. And it is so because the rosary is about the way in which the Blessed Mother is associated with the life of Jesus Christ. And so the rosary is filled with our own devoted attention to the Blessed Mother, loving her as a mother that has been given as a gift from heaven and who loves us more, who loves us perfectly and beautifully and loves us in a way that will help us grow in our own life with Christ. The Blessed Mother wants to aid you in your own receiving of Christ into your life. She is interceding and in, in providing motherly care for you so that you can be nurtured and grow and flourish as a Catholic Christian disciple of Jesus. This is the beautiful gift of the saints of heaven, and among them, first of all, of the Blessed Mother. And so praying the rosary connects us to these holy events, these big events in the life of Jesus. And as I was bringing up on Friday's program, 
it can also be one of those devotions that a um, a an intentional Catholic family, a Catholic family that's saying we are going to pursue our own Catholic life as a family um, with vigor, and we are not going to settle for less. And one of the one of the let's say common ways that that will show up is by praying a rosary together as a family on a regular basis, maybe during seasons like Advent, or even daily. And if that's the case, then it will also routinely be the experience. I don't want to say it's universal, but there are very, very few families who would not say, yours too? Are you kidding me? Oh, I don't feel so bad. (laughs) I'm talking about the experience of kids and even, honestly, let's say adults who struggle to get something out of the rosary, other than the raw aspect of fulfilling the, let's say, the duty embraced in love, the the devotion, the devotional duty to actually pray a rosary daily. So how do we elevate that? And on Friday, I talked about how to do that by exercising the higher faculties, the higher capabilities that God has given us, right? If you remember, it wasn't focused so much on the senses. That's the early stages of praying the rosary, where you focus on the beads and the environment that you're in. And you can be um, uh, looking at, um, listening, uh, you can be singing a song. You're focused on the words. You you pray with a certain uh, devotional uh, affect, um, you, you light a candle, you know, things like that. Those, those are very much connected to the senses. And, and it's not a bad thing, but we're called to go deeper. And going deeper means using the capabilities we have in our minds, right? So our intellect to ponder the mysteries, our, our memory to, to recall the teaching, the images, the, um, the ways in which we've come to learn about and, and the things that we've pondered in the past about uh, these different holy events, these mysteries of the rosary. And then also our imagination that will apply what we're thinking about and what we are remembering to a here and now present reflection on that mystery. So there you go. There's my quick introduction. So let's take a look at how I actually do that with my family and how I do it myself. Uh, And this isn't me making stuff up as if this isn't part of our Catholic tradition, but I I might speak about it in a way that's a little less formal than calling it Lexio Divina. But it's using traditional understanding of meditation uh, and of Lexio Divina and applying it to the praying of the rosary. So we covered the first three joyful mysteries. Let's look at the fourth joyful mystery. The fourth joyful mystery is the presentation of the child Jesus in the temple. So if you want to take your family deeper and go deeper yourself, I encourage you again to get holy works of art and even meditation, books of meditation or short reflections on the event of Jesus being presented in the temple. You can dig into the Old Testament roots of this uh, custom, this, uh, this Jewish tradition of presenting your firstborn son to the temple and offering that child to God. That child is set apart for God. And so this offering of the firstborn son, Jesus is brought to the temple and he is presented. And in the story of the presentation, you probably you might remember 
these figures, right? These these people that appear in this story. Simeon is the most prominent figure, right? He is the 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 priest who uh, welcomes the the act of the presentation of uh, of Jesus in uh, into his hands, presented by the Blessed Mother in Saint Joseph. You also have the prophetess Anna, who uh, is a widow and has spent years praying and fasting. Remember now, that's this, this, these are some of the ways that will remove obstacles to the coming of Christ into our lives. So here she is in the temple, in the place where the presence of God is, praying and fasting with expectant faith. For what reason? Awaiting an encounter. Now, she had been there, I think she was like 84 years old, is that right? And so she had been there for decades, praying and fasting, praying and fasting. Remember, you can't cause the encounter with Christ. But if you're faithful, he will show himself faithful. And so he showed up. He showed up in the form of a baby. Not maybe in the form that uh, Anna was expecting, but she recognized the presence of the Lord in Jesus and was speaking these prophetic words of, uh, of acclamation about the Blessed Mother and about Jesus. And then you have Simeon. And Simeon has this great sense of, uh, let's call it, can you call it holy relief? He has been waiting for the coming Messiah. Now, Lord, you can let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. For my own eyes have seen the salvation that you have prepared in the sight of every people, a light to reveal you to the nations and the glory of your people, Israel. That beautiful canticle of Simeon is prayed every night as part of night prayer. Isn't that beautiful? Why don't you just think about that? That in the act of the, the event, the holy event of the presentation, as it's presented in the scriptures, has come into our lives of as a church by being incorporated into the liturgy of the hours. You hear me talk now and again about praying the office of readings. One of the other hours of the liturgy of the hours that we'll pray as a family, not every night, is night prayer or compline. And so my kids know uh, uh, portions of night prayer now memorized because it's it's the shortest of the hours. And, uh, well, maybe like daytime, one of the daytime hours is shorter, but uh, it's, it's a shorter hour and it involves every night. So any night during the week when we're praying it, we're going to be praying this canticle of Simeon. Prepare us, Lord, as we stay awake. Watch over us as we sleep. That awake we may keep watch with Christ. That asleep rest in his peace. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's the antiphon. That's the antiphon for night prayer. Protect us, Lord, as we stay awake. Watch over us as we sleep. That awake we may keep watch with Christ and asleep rest in his peace. So even that beautiful antiphon has advent overtones to it. This idea of keeping watch and keeping watch with Christ, but there's also keeping watch for Christ. Okay, so let's let's look at this just, just briefly, a little bit more, and then we'll move on. What can you be thinking about, meditating on, as you pray the fourth joyful mystery, the presentation? 
the first thing that I think about, the very, very first thing, is the idea of presenting myself to the Lord. That fundamental act of presenting oneself. Offering oneself. Surrendering oneself. Abandoning oneself. Putting oneself fully, finally, completely, and forever into God's hands. Do you ever do that? That act of presenting, the, the, the presenting of oneself to God. That's the act of faith. That's the act of faith. Let's present ourselves into God's hands. And that, that's not an easy act. It is not a simple act. In fact, on our own, it is an act that we are unable to accomplish. Unable to accomplish. I was talking to my daughter, Mary Grace, yesterday. She had gone on a JP2, John Paul II, uh, center or healing center, John Paul II healing healing center, uh, center for healing, uh, down in Florida, and they they were doing a like a healing retreat weekend in Oregon, I believe it was in in Portland, and she went to it in person. Um, and what was really cool was that there are a group of ladies. I mean, maybe there were some guys too, but there were a group of folks in the Spokane area that went to the Immaculate Heart retreat center uh, the, uh, in, in, on the south hill of Spokane to also have like a, let's call it a satellite location for the healing retreat to occur here. I thought that was really very um, ingenious, right? To be able to say, look, the Lord can heal. Just gather together in your own holy environment and and have that be a place where you pray and and share and uh, get involved in the healing work of God. And so, so my daughter went, and she was somewhat familiar with the work of the the healing center. Bob Schutz, Doctor Bob Schutz, uh, Sister Miriam James Hydland, uh, you folks that are from the Seattle area, and maybe folks out here too uh, have heard of her. And um, and they had come to Saint Stephen the Martyr in Renton uh, several years ago. In any case, they um, it was uh, it was really quite an event for Mary Grace. You know, it was it was a place for her to experience some healing. But one of the things she came away with was this insight, this reflection, this, let's call it, you know, an insight from the Lord that there would be parts of your life in this life that are not healed. And healing comes. The healing that the Lord has for you here on earth isn't a full, final, complete healing from all brokenness, wounds, limitations, uh, Areas that are, are obstacles in our lives to us flourishing in the way that we want, that that's not what the Lord has for us in this world, that, a, that still labors under a, a brokenness associated with sin, and in particular, our own personal sin. 
And so it was interesting because she said, you know, I didn't grow up in a home that had a lot of trauma. I didn't experience a lot of events that I'm aware of that carry sort of heavy burdens that make me feel like I'm bound up and held back in a lot of ways. And she said, you know, I feel like the areas that are wounds in my life are more associated with personal sin than they are with uh, the idea of historical trauma. And that was just a was sort of an interesting uh, reflection for her. And what that, I think that I thought was so important, it was reflective of something that I had learned from uh, Father Mark Noonan, uh, which is a slightly different facet of the same insight, which was part of the healing that God has for us here on earth is that when we present ourselves to him and there are things that he will heal and he'll unbind and he'll set free and he'll miraculously remove and, and, and will come alive in, in those ways. But there are other things that are part of our lives that the healing is not that they get removed. The healing is that we learn to live well with them. We learn to live well with the limits that are ours. That there are certain limits, certain limitations, brokennesses that are part of our life that the Lord is not intending to fully heal and remove, but instead is saying, your healing will come by embracing the lowliness of your condition. And that's where I'm going to exalt you. That's where I'm going to move through you. That's where you're going to be free with the freedom I have for you here on earth. Learning to present ourselves to God is a fundamentally Advent quality. I'll pick up on this theme in just a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. So, today we're reflecting on the, well, the beginning of Advent, entering into Advent well, and wanting to embrace one of the principal ways that we'll experience the, let's call it the, the fundamental call of Advent, which is to remove blockages, to prepare the way for the coming of Christ into our own lives. What are the obstacles? How do we remove them? And prayer Prayer in an Advent mode, okay? Prayer in this Advent mode. Like, let's embrace the, the spirit of Advent, the, the, the dynamic, the dynamism of, of Advent into our prayer. And, and I'm sharing a bit about what that might look like as we pray the mysteries of the rosary. And so I was finishing up the fourth joyful mystery, which is the presentation of the child Jesus in the temple by saying, the first act, the first act that will get the biggest obstacle out of the way to our having the coming of Christ into our lives is ourselves, is our own pride, our own wanting to stay at the center and independent of God. We want God to orbit around our lives, our plans, our ideas, the things that are important to us. We want God to get on board rather than saying, Lord, I submit myself to you. I give myself to you. The act of present, presenting of oneself. Okay, but then there's a second presentation. The second presentation is presenting those you love. And so when I pray that second, or that fourth joyful mystery, I make consciously in my mind, again, in my imagination, I can, I can do it. I imagine there's the temple. I'm coming into the, to the temple. You can make it a church if you want. Here's a church. And you can, in your mind's eye, just that act of saying, I give you my wife, my husband. I just give her, I give him to you. 
Like it's like so for me, it's Lord, I give you carry. I just I present presentation. I present her to you. Please just receive her, love her, bless her, take care of her, Lord, and 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 then I'll present the both of us. Lord, Lord, I, I give you our relationship, our marriage, protect and and guide and and mold and provide for our married life. I present our marriage to you. Do you ever think about that? It, it is a, it's an important function of being a, a husband or a wife is learning how to say, I'm going to love my spouse well by making that act of presenting myself, my spouse, and then us together to God. And then you see what you know what's going to happen next, right? Presenting your kids, and that can be it for us. It for me, I know, and for Carrie, it has been very powerful. The act of presenting our kids and trusting our kids into God's hands. So you think about what you know, Joseph and and Mary, the you know, the Blessed Mother Saint Joseph, were doing when they presented Jesus into the hands of Simeon. That idea of putting your child into the hands of someone. In this instance, into the hands of God and saying, God, I trust you. And I entrust this one to you. That is not easy. You know, you see, people have trust issues. Yeah, yeah, he's got trust issues. She's got trust issues. <laughs> I got trust issues. Right? You get that. We we know what that's like. We know that there there's that reality of it's it's hard to Trust is, you know, the trust fall, right? Okay, keep your eyes closed. Now fall backwards. We'll catch you, right? I think that some of the most overwhelming times of, of having to trust, whether I wanted to or not, had to do with one of my daughters who was born in a medically uh, challenging condition and had uh, had was born with some serious uh, uh, birth defects some challenge uh, internal uh, organ stuff and they literally had to take the take that baby out of my arms and put her in a kind of incubator put her in an ambulance and off we went to a neonatal intensive care unit and the we had what 11 nine surgeries in 11 years in three different children's hospitals in the country um yeah quite a journey right but i got to tell you those times where i would literally hand my child into the hands of the doctor the surgeon or the nurse and just the little baby right the baby and off they went behind closed doors and I had to be in the waiting room. I, I, is the word terrifying too much? I mean, it was, it's it just kind of overwhelming. Just talk about crying out to God. Like, God, please, please take care of my baby. I present my child to you. And I got to tell you, sometimes it feels like, I, I hope that it's sort of like a cause and effect thing. Okay, if I say the words in the right way, then I'll get the good outcome. It, it, it becomes It becomes that. It can be at that level. At least it was for me. 
right? Like, okay, there's so much at stake in this surgery. It's so delicate. If it doesn't go well, that things are going to be in a very even more difficult, painful condition and situation that my daughter will face, right? And I'm like, what can I do right now? What what can I do to um, get through this? It's just put her in God's hands and just say, please help. I am desperate. I got nothing but you, God. And whatever you know, amount of diligence I did to make sure that she was going to be cared for the right way by the right doctors and all that, right? But at the end of the day, I'm in the waiting room, literally the waiting room. You know Advent's about waiting? Advent is about watchfulness. I mean, I would watch that board. They had this like number board and because they couldn't identify your kid by name. And so it was the, so you know what number your child is. Okay, they're in pre-op. They're in the operating room. And then that was just like the longest time. And that was, they are out of the operating room and they're in post-op. And, and then there was the waiting game because then the surgeon would eventually come out and say, here's what happened. And it was just like, you know, the relief. Everything went fine. She's doing fine. They'll come and get you in a few minutes and you can get back there. Right? Man, just, I, I got to tell you, just even telling the story is a little bit shaking to me. And, you know, I, I want you to, Please ponder this. Please ponder this. That's the reality that some people are living every day. There are some people who are living that reality every day. I'm not saying their child's going into surgery every day, but I am saying that their child might be a teenager, might be a young adult, it might be a, a, a son, a granddaughter, granddaughter, grandson that is has been introduced into a situation or is choosing a lifestyle that is not life-giving. And, and they're out of, you don't know what, what, what they're doing. They're not in a, you don't know if they're safe. You, you know that they're probably involved in some really broken stuff and dark stuff but you're still mom and dad. And, you know, Carrie and I have known that, known that reality for years as well. And, okay, what are we, we are waiting. We are watching. We are hoping. We are having this cling to the promise of Jesus and the promise of God that he's faithful and that he sees all and that he knows all and that he cares for all and that he is moving on our behalf in our regard for the good things that he wants even more for our loved ones, for our children, than we do. But... Hey, all things being equal, have you enjoyed like that reflection in the last 10 minutes? Uh, you're probably saying to yourself, please, Jesus, spare me from that. 
Please, Jesus, I don't ever want to experience that in my life. Please preserve me and protect me from that. I get it. I am with you. But that is not the situation that, well, I don't know. I guess some people have lived, let's call it a charm. Is it a charmed life to not have any of that kind of stuff happen to them? I'm going to bet that there are more people who are like, I don't know how to get through that time where it was traumatizing or overwhelming. And the, the truth is, it's through prayer and letting God's word sink into us and letting God's love wash over us. And we do that by presenting ourselves to him and then letting him come to us. I'm going to share how he came to me in this regard just yesterday on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. It's great to be with you in this Advent season. Again, remember, tomorrow I'm going to share about, let's call it the theology and spirituality of Advent, understanding Advent as a liturgical season, the flow of liturgical seasons, and then the precise, really, the the deeper theological significance of the Advent season. It's something that we don't really hear about that much, but I give this reflection every year, and I do it so that you can have a blessed new liturgical year, and that you can experience the graces that are very specific to Advent. So that'll be tomorrow on Sound Insight. I mentioned just before the break that this act of presenting oneself to God at those places where we're vulnerable and powerless is such a critical thing to know how to do, uh, because it's in those moments when we are Uh, overwhelmed, that we can just get paralyzed and get so numb that we just don't know what to do. So my basketball season started for the Chesterton Academy of Notre Dame. Say a prayer. Tonight we play our second game. We lost our first game. Uh, It was, that really wasn't much of a surprise, but how we lost was a surprise. I won't get into it other than to say that there were a few players on that court who Despite all of the preparation, despite all of the practices, despite all the times we worked on it and talked about it, when it got when they got in the game and the moment was there where it was, okay, now you have to take that training and implement it, put it right into practice, that there was this sort of deer in the headlights. <laughs> Everything goes out the window and there's just a, ah, it, and and I think that's what can happen to us, right? We practice our faith, we say our prayers, we go to Mass, we talk about Catholic stuff, but then when the game is on and we are in the game and the heat of things and all of a sudden there's a lot at stake and we freeze. It's just too much. It's just overwhelming. And it's then that we need to lean on the things that have become second nature to us. So reading God's word. I have to tell you that for me in those circumstances, it's praying certain prayers, letting certain prayers wash over me, and clinging to God's word that have been the biggest help to me. And so the... Um, the very fitting, the first psalm 
prayed in the Office of Readings yesterday, the first uh, weekday of Advent season. Oh, by the way, you know this is the shortest Advent season possible, right? It's really only three weeks long. It's three weeks and four Sundays, and then there's Christmas. So we're kind of gypped. We're kind of gypped this year. It's kind of shortened. Uh, It's the shortest possible Advent, but be that as it may. When you enter into Advent, you pick up your liturgy, your new Liturgy of the Hours is Volume 4, and here we go. Is it Volume 4? Let me see. Oh, it's Volume 1. Oh, that, ma- <laughs> that makes sense. Of course, Advent season should be Volume 1 of the Liturgy of the Hours. All right. Psalm 6. Listen to Psalm 6. And, and just, I want you to hear it because this is the... Presentation. This is the presentation. the The antiphon is, "Show me, Lord, show me your mercy, Lord. Like, show me a favor, right? When I don't deserve it, show me your mercy, Lord, and keep me safe." And the um, the reflection, the title of the psalm is, "A suffering man cries to God for mercy." A suffering man cries to God for mercy. And the scripture passage that is given as a point of reflection is Jesus in John 12, 27. I am filled with dismay. Father, save me from this hour. Boy, do do you think about Jesus praying like that? Really? I'm filled with dismay. Father, save me from this hour. That is so striking. But then the psalm, Lord, do not reprove me in your anger. Punish me not in your rage. Now listen to the rest of this. It's not that long. Have mercy on me, Lord. I have no strength. Lord, by the way, I'm going into this. I I feel like God wants me to share this. This is why I'm doing this. I feel like as I touched on this theme and I just said, you know, I'm sharing this. I'm not sure many of you want to hear it. And then I said, wait a minute. There are some of you that relate to this. And then there was something inside of me. It was like in the background. And I felt like the Lord was saying, go deeper here. There are some dear ones of mine that need to hear this. And so I'm sharing this with you, dear ones, who might be a little overwhelmed right now, that this is for you. This is the, the word of God for you. The word of God. It's a living word. It's a powerful word. It's a word that brings life. It can cut through darkness. It can name your condition in a way that will help you be set free. So listen, please. This is the word of the Lord. Have mercy on me, Lord, I have no strength. Lord, heal me. My body is racked. My soul is racked with pain. But you, O Lord, how long? Return, Lord, rescue my soul. Save me in your merciful love. For in death, no one remembers you. From the grave, who can give you praise? I am exhausted with my groaning. Every night I drench my pillow with tears. 
I bedew my bed with weeping. My eyes waste away with grief. I have grown old, surrounded by my foes. Leave me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord will accept my prayer. All my foes will retire in confusion, foiled, and suddenly confounded. That is Psalm 6. That's really powerful. And when I read that psalm, it it's like it it fills this, let's call it this cavernous place in my soul that says, yes, I, I know that. I have lived that. I have, I know those words to be real. And um, it, it, it carves out something in you when you go through that kind of traumatic situation in your own life. or I, I don't know, I think for guys it's more in the lives of those they love. Or it's at least in relationship to those they love. Like if something hard is happening in my life, it's really about the impact it might have on their life. I, that's my that's my conjecture. So when we enter into this Advent season and we are asked to take up a spirit of waiting, of crying out in a dark time that's getting darker, in a cold time that's getting colder, when we are crying out because there is no Savior, there is no simple, clean path out, there is no end in sight, there is no way forward, there's no way for me to go. And it's in that like ache, that groaning space, that the Lord is saying, I'm coming be watchful, I'm coming. Cling to my word, I'm coming. Hold tight, I am on my way. And my word to you, God's word, Psalm 6, is the pledge. Pray it, pray it, pray it. Welcome it, welcome it, welcome it. And it, it, will, it will prepare the way for the actual coming of the Lord's presence. Now, if you pray that psalm and you're not in that condition, well, guess what? You just might become attuned to, compassionate, compassionate for those who are in dark, broken, desperate, uh, excruciating places. You pray that word, that word sinks in you, it will evoke something from you to move on their behalf, to not be comfortable and ignore and, and somehow avoid and, and not have to deal with what all of these other people have to live with day to day. We'll be so grateful for his mercy, but we'll also want to take action as a sign of his mercy on those who are in pain. I hope this has been a blessing to you. Tomorrow, the Theology and Spirituality of Advent. All right, God bless your day and join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.